You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB, like us on Facebook, or go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. Uh, I am delighted to be joined today uh, by a coach who has had success everywhere she's gone and everything she's done. And so no surprise she's doing it here again in St. Louis. Uh, and that's Lisa Stone. Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. A place I'd love to start is just if you could take me through some of your earliest memories and how you fell in love with the game of basketball. Well, and you know, back in, in the day when I was growing up, there there was a reference to like little girl athletes as the tomboy. Hmm. And there's not a lot of people older than I am anymore, it seems like, but uh, the, that's what I was. I, I could I could throw baseball, I could play football, I could do all these little sports, and basketball ended up being the, the choice I took. But back, again, in high school, when I went through high school, I played tennis, played basketball, and I ran track. And I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to go to college for each of the, one of those three sports. I chose basketball. So this little girl from Oregon, Wisconsin, decides to go to the University of Iowa, Big Ten school, um, three hours from Madison. I grew up in the Madison, Wisconsin area, and it was close enough to home yet far enough away. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest of four children, so, you know, the first one leaves, so a little homesick, all of that type of adjustment. But um, had a had a, had a wonderful, wonderful academic and athletic experience at Iowa. I graduated in four years, began my master's degree um, at Iowa. had the pleasure of playing for Vivian Stringer my last year at Iowa. We had a very nice season, and um, I stayed then to start my master's degree. But in that summer in between, I was offered the head coaching job at Cornell College, which is in Mount Vernon, Iowa, 19 miles north of Iowa City, off of Highway 1. So here I am. I just graduate. I'm 21 years old, and I go up to interview for a position at Cornell College, Division Three. Um, they run the block plan academic system, very similar to Colorado College. Mm-hmm. And... Um, there was somebody there took a chance on a young kid and said, hey, will you come and be our women's basketball coach, women's softball coach, and teach anatomy, physiology, and biomechanics. I'm like, well, wait a minute, I just took those classes. <laughs> so my first year as a college basketball coach, number one, I was the youngest coach in the United States at any level. Mm-hmm. I just finished playing. The seniors on my very first team were a year older than I was. I was single at the time. My name was Lisa Anderson at the time. Mm-hmm. And I took this job. They paid me $19,500. I thought I was a millionaire. I am a college basketball coach, college softball coach, and I didn't play softball. And, I, and part of it was this teaching. So I went to all my instructors at the University of Iowa and got all my information from those courses that I just took the semester before, and I basically taught exactly what I learned as a student for that first year. I stayed at Cornell College for three, three years, um, the team I had taken over was 0-26, hadn't won a game. Mm-hmm. The next year we were even, and they thought it was Pat Summit, which I am not, <laughs> and nowhere nowhere in any comparison was her. Just um, tried to, you know, get kids to believe in something that's never been done, and we went on then to, to play in um, some uh, conference uh, tournaments and championships. Stayed there three years, then was I got married in between, married my best friend from high school, and Ed and I moved to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, took over that position, 
Well, and, uh, and Coach, let, let me ask you, if, if I could, before we move off of Cornell, sure. because I, I'm, I'm struck by, you know, you played for C. Vivian Stringer, and she had a similar path in that. I think I, I don't think she was much older than 22. I think she was 24 when she took over mm-hmm. at Cheney State. Yep. You know, how did you rely on her in terms of advice to be able to do it? Because, like you said, she turned around a program that was not winning, literally was not yep. winning, uh, so quickly, and and how did you figure out how to relate to, quite frankly, players your own age? Yeah, yeah, it was well. It's back to Coach Stringer. Number one, she's such a role model, a mother, wife, teacher, coach, and I am now that. So I'm I'm certainly not Coach Stringer, but those are I look at her as such a role model because she wore so many different hats. Mm-hmm. But she also took over our Iowa team, Howard. That was not very good, mm-hmm. and got us to believe that we could, you know, dig in and play defense and play the 55 press, press defense and, and execute on offense and really, you know, have a passion for the game that was something I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. So she instilled that in me. So now I'm, I'm taking, you know, kind of a similar situation that she had had with much more experience going into um, to the Cornell job. And, and so and is, is the fact that she did this, was this your – window into being a coach or did you have this mm-hmm. in mind as a career path uh, even before you got to her at Iowa? You know what I, I, I student taught physical education, health education and it was K through 6 I thought I was going to be an elementary school gym teacher. I loved it I loved the little kids, I loved the parachutes I loved our little games You know, I loved the little potty breaks, I loved all that stuff and then I student taught the second part of it was high school I'm like okay this, I mean this they can go to the bathroom by themselves. They can tie their shoes, and you know <laughs> we can read, write, and do arithmetic. So I thought that's what I was going to do. And coaching came along with. I mean, I, I played, so I'm, I'm an athlete, and I, I played for coaches. And right, when an opportunity, I was approached by Cornell, and I'm like, well, what the heck? So I went and looked, and I said, you know what? This is this is something that you you know you think typically that you move in as an assistant, you work your way up type of thing. I was throwing, I've never been an assistant. I've only been a head coach. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I can do this. And, you know, it took a lot of time and energy. And the fact that I was the same age as my players, and what's really fascinating to me is I've done this 31 years. They're all still the same age. I'm older. You know, it's all 18 to 22-year-olds. Sure. And when you're their age, you have to draw a line in the sand because they want to be your buddy. Right. They want to hang out with you. The The... The male students want to ask you out on a date, mm-hmm. and you can't do it. You have to draw a line in the sand, and you got to love them. you got to build chemistry. you got to build unity, all of which I, I hope I'm do, still doing now, and I pride myself in the family atmosphere, but I had to separate myself from them. I, you, you, yeah. you can't do that because that just causes the problems, and I think that's what I learned at, a, at an early age. And I, I was their coach. I'd do anything for them. I'm going to love you like a daughter, but I can't be your best friend, mm-hmm. and that... You know, but I got married, and three of my former players were at my wedding. Right. So when they graduated, they're still very dear friends of mine. Three of my those players, two years after they graduated, ended up standing up at my wedding with me. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how the relationships build, and I, I those days, those early days, it you know it it was fun. It was fun. It was stressful. It was learning. You know, you I had to drive the band at the games. I didn't have an assistant. You know, we put 11 players in the yellow van, we called the banana van, and off we went. And <laughs> I relied a lot on Coach Stringer. I'd watch practices, I'd talk to her, and still to this day, I mean, she tells stories about when I was a player, and that's a million years ago. So 
I think you you lean on a lot of people, and you I I just have never been a person to not ask questions. Right. If I have a question, I just ask. I, it might be I don't care if it's a dumb question. I don't know what it is. I want to know the answer is. So, um, it was a it was a really neat way to start. And and my husband's a CPA, and he he was working in Milwaukee for um, Deloitte. Mm-hmm. He drove down every weekend to see me because I couldn't get away. I, so we did that for commuted for three years, and then got married and. Move to Eau Claire. You, you almost need to do that, right? When you're the spouse of a coach and the coach's work oh, yeah. being so comprehensive, the the stories you hear about uh, the way the families uh, have to coexist is is a fascinating thing. But uh, I mean, it's just amazing to me that you know, forget being able to do all of this at a young age. It it was remarkable success, and then, like you said, that continued when you went to Eau Claire. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and my husband, back to him, he loves what I do. He loves women's basketball. If you interviewed him, he knows more about other teams and coaches and people and movement and recruits, and he just follows it. He loves it. He's yeah. a junkie. He's a women's basketball junkie. But we moved to Eau Claire, and there I, I only had to coach basketball, but I did. I was in the classroom. I taught. I, I had a full-time position. I was an assistant professor, and I, I, taught, um, uh, I taught nutrition. I taught exercise science. I taught... Um, health and wellness. Um, I taught ballroom dance. I taught aerobic dance. I taught bowling. I did active tennis. I taught, you know, you kind of do all those things. But I, I had an assistant for the first time. I um, walked into a situation that, again, they weren't real successful. But I was at a state school with, you know, twelve to thirteen thousand students. So a lot to, a bigger base of to work from. Mm-hmm. And we had immediate success there. Um, Loved it. Both my children were born in Eau Claire. My daughter actually attended UW-Eau Claire, played soccer there after we had, you know, moved to Madison. And I wasn't going to leave. We were very, very comfortable. Um, we so we had, we led the nation in attendance uh, for Division Three. We had been to numerous, numerous, you know, NCAA tournaments, conference championships, Final Fours. Mm-hmm. And I had a group of, I believe I had six juniors the year, my last year there, uh, we played actually Wash U, ironically, here in St. Louis. Nancy Fahey and I are very good friends. <laughs> and we were 29-0, and 0, and they were 29-0, and 0, and we met them. And one of those teams is going to lose and finish 29-1. and 1. Well, we lost to Wash U, and that was my last game at Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, at um, Eau Claire. And then Drake University, I, again, after the season, I'm like, you know, we're going to be really good next year. We got everybody back. We've got a big senior class. Um, and Drake came calling, and you know I had some other opportunities. Green Bay, interviewed at Green Bay in Milwaukee, um, um, and then Drake came along. And I'm looking at this is a I'm a big academician. I, I love the student athlete piece of it. And they flew my husband and I down there, and they showed us around and the commitment to that women's basketball in the Knapp Center and um, in Des Moines and West Des Moines. And our children were third grade in kindergarten. So they're young enough, and if we're going to make this move, somebody's taking a chance on a young a Division three. I don't have any Division one experience except playing. Right. And I went from Division three to Division one. I hired us at Drake, and it was wonderful. We lived out in West Des Moines. Drake is a, a great school. They're having great success. Jenny's doing a nice job there. Um, and we moved to we went we loaded up and moved to Des Moines. But when when you go yeah. to Drake, when when you're given that opportunity, and I, I understand what you're talking about, moving from D3 to D1, but are yeah. you looking at that school and saying, look, this is a program I think I can take to a Sweet 16, as you ultimately did? I mean, you're talking about the essence of a mid-major program, and mm-hmm. there's 
greater malleability, I would say now, in terms of the programs and even you know top 100 recruits you're able to get beyond the Power Five conferences than there was at that time. What do you think in the Drake program can be under you? Well, Lisa Bluter laid the foundation, and I, I'm certainly not going to take all the credit. I, she and I are dear friends, and mm-hmm. she played at UNI. I played at Iowa. She, we're a year different in age, and she takes the Iowa job, which opens up the Drake job. And right. the Drake women's basketball job, it's had some storied success. And Carol Baumgartner, even before Lisa, that was a program that's been very, very successful. And and um, I hear, hear that there's this young kid coming in there, and I think the, the telling tale of, the good Lord working in mysterious ways, in my opinion, was my first year there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, those are I didn't have I didn't recruit any of those players. They they believed in in me. They 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 wrapped their arms around me, welcomed me into their their bulldog family. But we were struck with one player was diagnosed with um, Hodgkin's disease, so she she was had, she had she's got cancer. Got another player that had a. Um, a tumor on her spine, and that she she had to sit out that year. My very best player um, broke her ankle and couldn't come back until February. Carla Bennett, big six five senior, um, and another player lost her mother to pancreatic cancer. And I had an assistant that lost a player um, to suicide. So we had some adversity to overcome, and that team they said. All right, we 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 got we got to pull through this. Adversity reveals your character, and it certainly did that year. Um, the two that that were diagnosed early, um, they beat it. They they got their treatment. They went through chemo, radiation. Uh, both lost their hair. We had, you know, hats and bows and scarves and all kinds of stuff. And our team, we finished with seven players. Went down NC State and somebody turned. We ended up winning the conference. It was a a, a power of of team. Uh, just an amazing year of there's so much more to life than this game yeah. and uh just the, the the fact that the two beat beat cancer and then the next year they they're on the court that was the success piece of it and you become suddenly very very important in one's life when they lose a parent and you're their new coach so uh, all of these things all kind of tied in and i'm like there's a reason i'm here i'm here to appreciate the game and love my family and these kids and and fill a void, and 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 we're gonna work hard, and all of that. As basketball is just a way of bringing us all together. So that first year was was amazing. And, do you, Do you um, think personally it changed you? Do you think that oh goodness, it altered yeah. the balance in your own mind? Uh, people oh, yeah. talk about that uh, as being oh. so significant. Do you, Do you think about that hey, as sort of a hinge moment in your life? I, hands down, defining moment hmm. that year because one, I'm up against. A lot of doubters thinking, as a coach, you can't do this. I've got two young children. I've got a husband that gave up his job to, to follow his wife's dream. You know, he's a CFO and a CPA, and he gives up his job to be a stay-at-home dad. Right. And we moved to Des Moines. And all of this stuff hits us in the first two weeks of our job. And I'm like, what are we doing? And then I'm like, there's a reason. There's a reason. It, the perspective on the game and on life and on balance and on love and support and teamwork was off the charts and to me you know i like even now if, if you can ask you ask any assistant that's worked for me and i have i've had a ton of assistants if there's anything i hope to do as a head coach is to allow my assistants to have life outside the job you never punch a clock with me 
I don't say you need to stay be in from eight to four. Right. Get your work. I trust you. I love I, my players. I they never have a, a curfew. I trust them. We talk. We communicate. We we love each other. We believe in each other. And I don't have any troubles. It's like if you tell a kid right now, some kid that you cannot use your cell phone for five hours. Well, you know you can. They're going to use it. it. It's just that's just the way it is. And I think that year was really. And granted, we were successful, and that helps kind of because emotions just you just you just this empowering, you know spirit about our team that year and it carried over to the next year where that was the year that we went to the Sweet 16, you know, right. and you, you, you know, you go to Baylor, little Drake, 2,500 students. We beat Baylor at Baylor for the first time ever and you know, uh, that game was I, I still watch that game. I watched that game and I watched the reaction and it was one of those games where you watch March Madness and they break to the, the little Cinderella team that's in there mm-hmm. and that was us. Um, do, do you, you know, think and, do you think your Drake experience in that way framed the way you thought about St. Louis? Uh, I'm I'm skipping ahead a yep. little bit in the biography, yep, but I'm curious, fine. you know, whether yeah. whether you you thought of what St. Louis could be in part, you know, a place where there hadn't been a lot of success uh, in the program. Yep. Well, and, and I know we're jumping ahead to St. Louis, but that was I had just turned 50 years old and I was out for a year, and you know we had great success in Wisconsin, and I I don't regret any I don't regret any place I've been. I've done the very best I can, have done it the right way, uh, abide by all rules, um, recruit the right players, have great relationships with kids, and I'm a, I'm a mom, you know, and I'm a, I, I'm a family person. You know, I'm high energy, everybody knows it about me, I'm very upbeat and motivational, we practiced at 6 o'clock this morning, I got home at 3 o'clock from a recruiting trip, and I'm, I got up at 4 and ran. So mm-hmm. I got up there, and I get in there, and I'm cranked up, and I just try to, I owe it to them. And that's why I've done this for so long because I love it so much. I'm and tired just hearing your schedule. I well, right now I'm really <laughs> sleepy. I'm I'm cranking some coffee right now. I got a compliance meeting for goodness sake at ten o'clock. Oh man! I'll get through that. Then I'm gonna go rest. But um, the opportunity to foster female leadership, to make a difference in young people's lives, both on and off the court, and to get players to believe in doing something that's never been done. That's why I'm at St. Louis, along with the fact that it's a wonderful school, it's a beautiful facility, and I have an athletic director that I talk to every day. He texts me or calls me every day. He believes in my vision and is the key reason why we have 10,000 people at our Dayton game, that he sells, he loves women's basketball. And I have a commitment from not only my athletic director, but our president and his wife are at every home game. They meet me in the tunnel, give me a big hug before and after the game. That's the president of the, of the institution. So I'm blessed to be here. I'm thankful for all of my experiences to bring me to I'm 54 years old. I've coached 31 years. I've never been an assistant. But this is not about me. This is about the people in my life. I can't do this without a, a supportive spouse that basically our kids have never been with a babysitter they we there's been a parent home when ed was working we juggled it where i would take them to school and they would ed would pick up or something you know we just we've managed this through our entire marriage and my family support and then assistants and administrators and it's and the right kids you know and yeah. they're not many not coaches can say that about a yeah. babysitter that's for sure uh, yeah. In in terms of the 
uh, change from Wisconsin to St. Louis. Uh, mm-hmm. You had a tremendous amount of success at Wisconsin, winning Coach of the Year, multiple postseason tournaments, twenty win seasons by the you know by the bucketful. Mm-hmm. The difference between the two, it seems to me, is there's a greater margin for error at let's mm-hmm. say a Power Five school in terms of your season than you have at St. Louis. And I, I think back even to last year's team, which this breakthrough mm-hmm. team that was as talented as anyone in the country. And, and, you know, to my mind, I wrote about this at the time, was uh, clearly deserving of an NCAA tournament bid. Uh, and mm-hmm. when we talked about it at the time, y- you pointed to essentially one loss early on in the season that hurt the RPI and ultimately cost you a bid. Do you, mm-hmm. do you feel that difference? And does it inform the way you, A, approach a season, and B, even... Uh, potentially approaches the way you schedule at St. Louis yep. now that you've developed the team that you have here, mm-hmm. a, a consistent winner. I think we have, well, and, and you need just statistically, we've, we've gotten better, incrementally gotten better every year. Mm-hmm. And last year, yep, we broke in, we snuck in, we got a share of the title. And it was a year to to learn how to win. You know, we're you're building. And now this year, we, we did up our schedule, but uh, once again this year, we lost three games to teams that killed our RPI. Right. Now we got to win this tournament, and we know that. We just know that. Our our conference, our, our overall conference RPI this year is lower than it's been. It's not as strong as it's been in the past, and so that has hurt us too. But going into next year, we've got the likes of, and I, it's not official yet, but I've got, I can tell you just this, that we've got DePaul and Vanderbilt and Arizona State, and it's, it's Jackie and Jenny's senior year. Right. I owe it to them to do that. So this year, it you know you can look at it like our, where our cat hovers right now, and we won the other day, and it, it because of who we beat, it hurt us. <laughs> right. And but then again, we beat Missouri at home, and that helps us. And then Washington State, strapped with injuries, they're expected to do really, really well, and mm-hmm. we beat them. And Little Rock's always really good. And but you can't lose to Tulsa, you can't lose to Indiana State, you just can't lose those games. So you can't cut your right leg off to save your left. You right. still have to keep winning, and you know I it I'm 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 really proud of you're right. It, how you how you look at the team you have when you're building a program, you got to learn how to win first, and now it's we got to raise that up and play teams in 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 power conferences that um that you can beat. So back to the Big Ten, you're going to play those Big Ten teams every day. You know that that your RPI is going to be in the wherever it is, no matter where you're at, because of the conference. Years. So. Um, you know, and and I think again at Wisconsin too. We, the year that we were supposed to be really good, I I really challenged our schedule, and then we got hit with four major injuries. Mm-hmm. And now you're going in to play Duke. We had Duke at home with four starters out. That doesn't bold well. No, and, <laughs> you know, and, and so it's you, it's hard it's to schedule so hard. in that way. I even oh, if yeah. you get beyond injuries to be able to do it a year out. I mean, you mentioned Washington mm-hmm. State, and uh, frankly, it's it, it's outrageous that that doesn't count more for your RPI than it ought to. At the time you beat them, I think Washington stayed in an RPI somewhere in the 50s, and that was yeah. before they, they had lost three of their players, uh, yeah. who, a very talented team. So it's yeah. it, it's a challenge, and it's something It seems like NCAA-wide, there's a, a real effort. I, I know certainly the Pac-12 increased their out-of-conference schedule difficulty in an effort to try and play uh, di- play games with the RPI, but it's it's just the reality of the RPI. I guess when you think about St. Louis, you think about 
what this team is, what the program is. Do you think about a possibility of St. Louis in, let's say, a Big East, let's say, in, in a different oh, yeah. conference where, it, you know, it, it struck me for the longest time that St. Louis to the Big East makes all the sense in the world, and, yep. and you guys are certainly building something uh, that's capable of challenging at those levels. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's all geared by men's basketball, and mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it does. It makes sense to me too in terms of like just Midwest up through the middle, travel wise, et cetera. And I, I love the A10. Don't get me wrong, but there's 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 always conversation about um, about us in that position because mm-hmm. you know non football. You think of the similarities to Marquettes and and Creightons and and you know go right down the list. So um, I know that's a discussion. I just I, I really I, I adore our conference right now. I love it. I love the leadership with Bernard at the blade um, and. The the where we're at and where we fit, I I, I think we fit anywhere. This is a basketball yeah. conference that um, if they move us, you know, where would what would make would make most sense? Um, you know, I think it's fair to say the Big East, but actually that's not my call at all. Right. I just I come to work and I get to do this every day and I get ready for the A10 tournament. And um, you know, I again I do I, I love what I do. I my my staff are like brothers and sisters to me. We spend so much time together. And, you know, the players that I look like today, I walked in there at 6 a.m. And those kids are, they're so excited. It's like a, a new re, new vision. It's March Madness. It's time to go. And, you know, I just, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really very, very, very blessed. Uh, it's it's going to be fascinating to see. I, and look, I, I agree with you. I, I think the Big East is a great fit. And I, I love the A-10 as well. But it seems like, and, and you're a good part of this, that you've grown something to the point that, it's going to make sense uh, in, in in a on a bigger stage, let's say, with a better bigger margin for error. And I think the the reason that keeps coming back to me is I think about uh, a player like Jackie Kemp, who mm-hmm. you know you were able to recruit out of uh, and and beyond other teams like Arizona State, uh, who had been coming after her as well, and yep. to to bring her in, well. When I talk to WNBA talent evaluators, the thing that you keep hearing is it's difficult to find and develop point guards beyond the power five and that the track record isn't always there for those players. But strikes me that Jackie is the ultimate power five player in terms of athleticism, in terms of the way in which she sees the court. I wonder whether you think of the players you're able to develop in that way and that part of your responsibility building success at St. Louis is creating that pathway for people to understand, you mm-hmm. know, look, these are the level of players who are coming out of my program. It came out of Wisconsin and the same mm-hmm. thing is happening in St. Louis. I, I think, I, I think you're exactly right. I think, you know, you look at Jackie, Jackie, who's uh, she just, she loves St. Louis from the academic piece. She's a brilliant student mm-hmm. and obviously a very talented player. And I do have scouts calling me on her and, she would be one to defy the odds, you know, if she decided to go on and play because I I don't see it as a power five versus us. I consider our conference, the A-10, a power six. I think we're we're a part of that. You know, it's not that we're – I do. I think like last year our RPI ended up being higher than um, the Big East at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And you can juggle that all you want. I think it's a name I, I – I, I think developing players and finding, like for me, there might be a ranking that that kid is a top, you know, 
you know, three, you know, wing player in the country. In her position, she's top ten. Well, that's a ranking. That's a decision by somebody else. I want my eyes on players. I go to practice. I go to high school game. I go to AU games. Okay, I see all three of those. Then I evaluate. Yeah, I watch attitude, intangibles. They dive on loose balls. Are they? Um, is it about them? Are they a team player? Do they fit the mix? So it's finding the right players, not necessarily the, the most talented. Jackie happens to be one of both. I mean, yeah. she's a brilliant student. She's a really good piece to our program. You know, she, she and Jenny in that class will leave a legacy of being the best class ever to play. Like this past year with Stepanovich and Jackie Besick and um, Aaron Nelson, they're the winningest class in school history. Mm-hmm. Well, these juniors are going to load up a bunch again, you know, by the time they graduate. No so question. Us, for us recruiting-wise... We're going after the highest. We're we're going right up neck to neck with the Power Five, if you will. Right. I think what makes us different is that those are kids that can come here and continue what's already happening instead of maybe going to one of those schools and either not making the tournament or sitting on the bench or never getting to fulfill their dreams. So, you know, I'm 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 just I I, I like our our schools location. We can get a lot of different places. Um, I didn't realize that when I moved here. I'm like, oh my goodness, Memphis is only that far away, and Nashville is only there, and Louisville and Lexington. I, I'm like, we're here already. I couldn't believe it. A gateway so, to everything, exactly. Not just is. to the and, west. And, yes. Yeah, and that whole circle has really, really helped us. And yeah, we've done very, very well in in um, in Kentucky lately, and that you know that that was new to me. That was a new territory. So, um, yeah, I, I think the future is bright. I, I think our success has breeded more success. Um, but I, I just I try to be who I am, you know, and kids come in and they meet us and this is, this, what you see is what you get. This doesn't change. So if that consistency and that care, and I'm going to coach you hard, like this team I have right now, I've never coached a team harder than this one mm-hmm. because expectations are high and I, you give a kid an inch to take a mile. So we just, I'm trying to keep them, get, keep steam coming on my ears and big arms wrapped around them and, and, get them believing and motivated and see what can happen. But so very do, proud. I, it's interesting to me because you could lose sight of the fact that there's been progress from last year to this year because, okay, look, yeah. you, 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 you tie for the league title in the regular season last year. You end up with the four seed uh, out of this year, but you look a little bit deeper into the numbers. Your efficiency on offense is significantly better. You went from, I, I think, 0.96 points per possession to over 1.02, uh, if memory serves, and the defensive efficiency has improved as well. Do, do you see this team as fundamentally more prepared to go win in the postseason than they were last year as well? I do. I really do. Uh, because of the veteranism um, and the expectation, our core group of kids, they understand. They know that, you know, turnovers and mislayups, things like that are going to drive me crazy, mm-hmm. not knowing your assignment defensively, not knowing your personnel that they, you hear it from them. And when you have a player-run team and that vocality comes out of the players, you know that you've made progress with your culture. Offensively, we moved the ball so well. Just the other day, against we had 31 assists on 35 made baskets. Mm-hmm. 31 assists. And Jackie saw I had coffee with Jackie yesterday, and she's like, Coach, you, I could have had 10 assists. You, you, you call a timeout. I'm like, Jackie, I said, <laughs> maybe... 
when she had nine assists and one turnover. I said right. that one turnover could have been an assist. You know, they're just they're a, they're a joy. They they like they, it's a, it's about the team. It's not about anyone individual, and that's what's pretty cool. The the specifics of this team and the improvement, I, I I would be remiss not to talk about the way in which Sadie's improved and and her oh her effective field goal percentage is off the charts this year. Her rebounding is up considerably, and she was al- already uh, one of the elite performers last year. What is it that has allowed Sadie to take that next step for you this season? You know, I think it's a it's the senior urgency that you pray every senior enters their senior year with. Instead of, I'm done, a cashed-in senior, this one is juiced up. Mm-hmm. She is not not in terms of steroids. That's right. Sure. <laughs> I, I just said that. I'm like, what am I saying? No, we'll be breaking she some news here. She is fired but... up. Yeah, she right. is a fired-up senior. Great leadership. If She's a delight to talk to. She's a beautiful woman inside and out. She has taken this team and put them on her back. Even in a bad game, she's always cheering. You always hear her voice. She went from a volleyball All-American high school player to, in my opinion, one of the best post players in this league. Yeah. And she can, a lot like her dad, she can turn and face. She can, we call it the Jack Sigma move. She can, um, she's a good free throw shooter. She's, she's improved her array of moves on the block where she's now, instead of trying to shoot over somebody, she goes around um, she's had a three-point shot. She made a couple threes for us, um, which has been helpful. Um, rebounding, just she just has a desire. She's entered every practice this year, like the first day of practice, and I love it. And the particulars of the way your offense works, and something that's really striking to me, is that Jackie obviously is your playmaker, your lead playmaker, but you, have, you go eight deep with players with uh, double digits in assist percentage. When you think about the way in which this offense should operate, are you essentially thinking about like the UMass game where you guys go out there and shoot an absurd percentage and you put 90-plus on the board? Is that the way the offense is as peak ideal in your mind? It is. It really, we, just, we always say keep the ball moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. Don't let the ball stick. And find open people and, you know, and, and shoot the ball when you're open. You know, I, if you're open and in range and you don't shoot the ball, then I'm going to probably talk to you about it. But um, it, I think that efficiency, we were, we were really good on Sunday. We really were. And that was just tremendous ball movement, making extra passes, unselfish play, um, a team that knows that not one person can do it alone, that we need everybody. And I think some of the games that we have lost this year, in a panic situation, you see it everywhere. You see it in NBA, you see it in men's basketball, women's basketball, that teams go away from what was working for them early because they're trailing. And then you can't help, you can't doubt, you know, be mad at a kid for their desire to try to win, but then it becomes a lot of one-on-one. You get right. Defensively, it's more one-on-one. And that's where, as a coach, you've got to recognize, call your talent say, listen, Let's go back to moving the ball, get side, top, side, get in, get out, you know, get a dive, get a tip, get a open look. Let's work really, really hard for a good good shot this possession instead of hoping and praying you're going to get a call by a clear out one-on-one. So our, our players are very receptive, you know, and again, I, I've had my, my foot on the gas the whole year, and I think they expect that, and, you know, I shoot you like to mess around and play with them and that kind of stuff that's for off the court Mm -hmm. you know that's for that's for you know hotels and 
airports and stuff like that. That's not for between the lines. And I think that seriousness and that approach to practice has improved this year because we're better than last year. Yeah. And you can look at results and all that, and we're going to hopefully have as many wins, if not more, and get ourselves into a tournament. And, and the thing is that we're talking about that versus, well, let's just keep it close with Missouri. My first few years, it's like, oh, boy, if we keep it under 10, that's good, you know, you have these moral victories. That's no longer the case, and, and uh, a lot has to do with those kids, you know, buying in from day one. A nice little RPI boost when, when they beat South Carolina as well. Oh, my the, God, it's really nice. The, the, the particulars of losing to Dayton, uh, being so close uh, to getting that, that championship, do you think that fired up your team mm-hmm. in such a way that, you know, look, we don't want to let what happened last year happen again? Yeah, you know what? I think that Dayton game, the 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 pride and and just that locker room after the game, no one's crying. Mm-hmm. You know, and I coach women, and they're it's more sensitive people. And no, they knew they left it on the court. We were down ten; that could have gone to eighteen in a hurry. Oh yeah, we're playing Dayton on on Senior Day. Um, it's very emotional. It's very warm in there. Everybody's tired. We had a gut check, and we dug in, and we fought back from 10 down. We weren't shooting the ball very well, but we defended our tails off. That, Despite that result, that was a great performance by us in terms of character, and it has fueled this postseason. You know, we were able to rest them, and actually, you know what? We played an extra game. So you go play that game. Is that bad? That might be a benefit to you instead of sitting around all week. Now, granted, I like to win. I want to win the championship, and we coaches were crazy people, so you turn things to the positive. That win we just had on Sunday, everybody got to play, and we need everybody in this tournament. We play three games, three days. You've got to use your bench, and the bench is about to play the other day. So how significant, how many minutes will they play? That I don't know. We need to win the game. But there's, a, 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 a I think, a, a deeper hunger, even so, that we left that short. So we, but we still have the goal of an NCAA tournament bid in our sights. Well, and I, I, and I, I just want to see you call the play again, where Sadie ends up with the bang shot three, because I thought that was yeah, you know, I, that we, was we a drew that ball. right up. <laughs> I drew that right up. In terms of St. Louis, over the next five years, let's say, when you think about where this program could be, how do you define it in your own mind? I, I define our program as a, a, a program that is going to be a regular A-10 contender, a regular um, team that plays postseason. And I would like to say that we are not just a school but a, but a league that um, has two to three NCAA bids each year. You know, I, it's, yeah, I, even more, I, I'd like there to be four. I know that's a little lofty, um, but we... Uh, we just we that's what we want to be. We want to be that team that that plays for championship in the A ten every year. That we are NCAA bound, if not postseason every year, and that we can sit, continue to recruit quality student athletes um, that walk across that stage with just an unbelievable experience being a Billiken. Well, and the program I, and women's basketball as a whole is simply not as top heavy as it was. So none of that seems out of reach. But quite frankly, anyone who wanted to. Uh, bet against you throughout your career would have found themselves on the losing side 
over and over again. So, Lisa Stone, I, I, I've told everyone I can to make sure you go, go see your team play. And uh, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure talking with you today. To our listeners, just, just a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB. You can like us on Facebook. Go ahead and make sure that you have uh, rate and review us on uh, iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. Uh, my name is Howard Megdahl. Wishing you a wonderful day.